You've got mail. You know who that guy is? It's me, Cindy. That guy is like the virtual father of Siri and Alexa, when you think about it. But his offspring are oh so much more sophisticated. These days, your technology not only talks, but it talks back. Conversing with you. It can give you directions, tell you the time, take dictation to send out texts. But back in the early startup days of the internet, revolutionizing the way we communicate and practically taking out the U.S. post office in its wake, if you had a computer, you pretty much had AOL, or as it was known at the time, America Online. And when you went to log on, if too many people were also trying to get on, you'd get a busy signal. You know what a busy signal is, don't you? But if you were lucky enough, first, you heard the screech and rattle of the modem. And then, assuming you were able to connect to AOL, you would be greeted by welcome. If you stepped a layer deeper into this mysterious new technology, you would hear you've got mail, assuming you did. At the time, a voice on AOL telling you you have mail was even cooler than the hello that would appear on your Apple computer screen when it booted up. The AOL guy's backstory is pretty interesting, but I'll get to that in a minute because I don't want to get off this train of thought. Alexa and Siri aside, most of the notifications and tech alerts that we get nowadays are pretty boring. Dings, bells, swishes give us the heads up that there's a new Facebook post or a text message or whatever would like our attention right away. And of course, now we can even personalize what signals sound to let us know that the text was sent or to give us the heads up that we've got voicemail. All those chimes and beeps or customized ringtones can not only act as an alert, but they trigger something of a Pavlovian reaction. You know, Pavlov, the guy who did the famous experiment where he'd ring a bell every time he went to feed his dog. And eventually, when he'd ring the bell, the dog would salivate in anticipation of eating. It's safe to assume that either he failed or didn't even bother to experiment with any of his cats, assuming he had cats, because he knew that they would be like, I can't be bothered, buddy. We're like that, like Pavlov's dog with the sound of incoming messages. The hormone dopamine creates an urge to seek enjoyment and pleasure. It's especially sensitive to cues that a reward is coming. So if you look at a text message or a Facebook post, there's a little reward in that. Hey, somebody likes me or somebody's trying to sell me something. If there is a small specific cue, like a sound when a text message or an email arrives, it's signifying something is going to happen and sets off our dopamine system. Automatic notifications are sold like they're good for us, like it's a great benefit. But the truth is, and this isn't just me saying it, but experts and researchers, you know, people who can substantiate this as info, not just opinion, they are actually causing you and me to be like a rat in a cage. If you want to be more productive and prevent or stop the dopamine loop, experts suggest turning off your alerts. Adjusting your settings on your cell phone, laptop, desktop, tablet, so you don't receive automatic notifications and you can go about your business. This whole thing came up because I was thinking about how I wake up first thing in the morning and I'm like, oh, I better check my email, even though it's you know like six o'clock and nobody's been emailing me yet. And throughout the day, I go, oh, I better check my email because you just never know when an email is coming. It's different than like the postal service. My postmistress, postwoman, postgirl 
She delivers my mail around 11 o'clock in the morning. And it's once, once a day. I don't ever check after I get the mail the first time. And that's that. So it's an interesting thing that we've become these creatures of habit. We, we almost seek these opportunities to get these text messages and voicemails. And does anybody want to sell me something? I know that the whole world of technology that we live in now isn't new, but we're still in the growing and learning phase to some degree. I know I've said this before, but I think that to have lived during or to experienced the before and the after of any of the inventions or implementations that have changed the world and how we live in it, like the internet, cell phones, before that, TV, radio, heck, cars, electricity, is remarkable. Think about the progression of what we now call cell phones. They started out as car phones that had to be hardwired and needed an antenna. And they were only, obviously, for the super flush. That is, they were stupid expensive and pretty much only used by movie producers and other big shot execs who just had to be able to call the office or the set or the big client or the movie star, whatever. For those social climbers who couldn't afford a real car phone, there were, I don't know if you know this, but I swear it's true, fake car phones. So you could pretend that you were among those most wealthy and accessorized. (laughs) Okay, then the internet happened and the new cellular phones cropped up. First, they were like a hand-sized phone modeled after cordless phones, which have a story of their own that I won't go into. And then the flip phone happened, which saved you from accidentally calling whoever because your hip or your purse got bumped, triggering what we now refer to as the butt call. Is this not all just hilarious in retrospect? Then Steve Jobs stepped in. And after taking the next step forward in portable music, you know, there's another tangent there that I won't go on, moved cell phones into the 21st century, adding the ability to text. Did that mark the birth of texting? I'm afraid if I stop to research, I'll get off track again. But that's not all he did. The iPhone also redefined the word apps, which were, until then, what you would see offered on the two-for-one deal on the Friday's menu. All right, side note. What's with the shortening of words? When did appetizer or application get to be too much work to say? Like veggies. Come on. Are we going to find ourselves saying we're baking a pote? Eating creamed spin? All right. Okay. Sorry. See how easy I get off track? Anyway, that's enough of the fascinating evolution of cell phones. I do want to tell you, this all leads to what I overheard the other day. So I was going shopping. That's not the unusual part, you know. I'm mostly a person who goes shopping for one thing or another pretty much daily. I'm just doing what I can to support the economy. Anyway, I'm walking through the parking lot, and there's a father putting his little boy into the kid's seat of a shopping cart, which tells you that the kid is maybe three tops. And I overhear the dad saying to him, oh, no, we're not getting that today. We're going to get that online. And I think, does that kid know what the heck his father is saying? Does he know what online is? Has his father clarified the difference between logging on to the computer or checking the cell phone and waiting in a checkout line to pay? Has that tot already far exceeded my grasp of the iPad and all its still mysterious to me tricks and capabilities? And what's going to happen in that little boy's lifetime that could be as world-altering as the discovery of fire was to cavemen, or the internet has been in ours? I can't answer that one yet, but it does boggle my mind to wonder what could possibly be next. Do we need anything more? 
We've got fire, electricity, the cell phone, uh, Google. But can we go back to that AOL guy? Because it is an interesting backstory. His name is Elwood Edwards, and he's a voiceover actor who became the voice of AOL after his wife, who worked for the company, overheard the CEO say that he wanted to add a voice to the user interface to make it seem more friendly. And she volunteered her husband for the job. He recorded, you've got mail, welcome, and a few other phrases in his own living room on a cassette deck. And he was paid for his now famous voice and audio clip, $200. While he did a guest shot on The Simpsons, we're assuming he made more money, voicing a virtual doctor saying, you've got leprosy. And he did a short stint as a weatherman, once telling his North Carolina viewers that you've got hail. On last check, he was reported working as an Uber driver. So if you ever hear about how you can make money in your pajamas doing voiceovers from home, remember Elwood's story. And if you have anything to add, you can record your own comment if you're using the Anchor application, or you can email me at smee, S-M-E-E, Cindy, at gmail.com. Goodbye.